As a, as a church family, over the course of this year, we've been uh, obviously, and maybe not so obviously, um, looking at knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. Knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. I wonder if you, if you knew that. All of our teaching, uh, all th- every Sunday, it's been about knowing Jesus and making him known. Even recently, thinking about healing, it's about knowing Jesus and making him known. Knowing him, knowing his healing, knowing his salvation, knowing his deliverance and making it known to other people. Knowing Jesus is the most important thing. Knowing Jesus is the greatest thing. There is no more important thing than knowing Jesus, than being in right relationship with him. Because Jesus is the way to the Father, that we can know the Father heart of God. Jesus is the way to the indwelling, empowering Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. Everything else in life needs to pale into insignificance compared to the greatest thing of knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Saviour, our Healer, our Deliverer, our everything. That our lives need to be caught up with him, our lives centred on him, and Jesus being the centre of everything. It's only in that place where we will know true true relationship, true self, true well-being, true wholeness, true completeness, order. What the Bible speaks of, Hebrew speaks of shalom of God, the peace of God. God wants us to be at peace with him. And through Jesus, we get peace with God. The cross of Jesus goes two ways. Peace with God, right standing with God, and then the work of reconciliation with other people, with a community of faith, a people who believe in Jesus, love Jesus, and love one another. As we do that, we make him known. To know Jesus is to love him. As you get to know him, when we get the wow and the wonder, What else is there to do but to love him? And the language of of God's love language is obedience. That as we love him, we obey him. We choose to do those very things that he wants us to do. So we love him and we obey him. And as we obey him and do the things that he did, just as Jesus walked on the earth and he did things... He healed people, he set people free, he gave comfort and strength, he listened to people, he ministered God's grace to them. He was letting them know what Father God was like. And so as we know him and love him and obey him, we will be letting other people know what God is like, what the Father's like, what the Spirit's like, what Jesus is like, because we are being with him, knowing him, and living out of that relationship, out of that empowering, equipping relationship so that we can reveal who Jesus is. You know, Jesus was not a one-man ministry, right? 
Jesus gave power and strength to other people. He equipped others and sent them out. Church, we are a priesthood of all believers. Everyone, as John Wimber said, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. With this Jesus following is not a um, spectator sport. It is roll your sleeves up, get involved and serve. Serve with all the power and all the strength and all the might and all the ability that he gives. Jesus enables people to make him known. Jesus enables people to grow and mature. Jesus enables us to become like him. Becoming like Jesus is not beyond us. It is not beyond you. The lie would be saying, you can't be like Jesus. Now, in one sense, there's a truth there. Of course, we can't be like Jesus, but we can be like Jesus. Yeah? We can grow, we can mature, we can become all that he's made us to be because as a disciple, a trainee, he says, I choose you. I choose you, I pick you, I want you. Come follow me. Walk with me, be with me, eat with me, drink with me, watch how I live. Learn from me the unforced rhythms of grace. I just do what my father says. I speak out the words he gives me. It's out of this relationship with my father that I do this stuff. Copy me, follow me, be like me. And so it's not beyond us because he who called us and said it is faithful. When Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he says, I'm confident of this. I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus is going to return. He's going to come again in glory. He's going to judge the living and the dead. He's going to judge us. Like, what have you done with me? Father's saying, what have you done with my son? What what has been done with the deposit put inside you? Because while we can stand back and say, God is faithful, he will work in us, he who started this work will carry on. He is faithful. We need to be those that cooperate. We need to be those that partner. We need to be those that are trained by him, equipped by him, enabled by him. He's faithful. And all we've got to do is respond well and cooperate to him. He wants to train us. This is something that John Piper said in one of his books called Finally Alive. He says this, My feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses to what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are out of sync with the truth. When that happens and it happens every day in some measure, I try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings, but rather I plead with God. Purify my perceptions of your truth and transform my feelings 
so that they are in sync with the truth. Jesus said, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. I give credit to Nita for raising this. Everyone, as we've been reading through Luke, says, oh, I just want to be fully trained. And I thought, yes, Nita, I want to be fully trained too. So, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be there like their teacher. So, Romans tells us, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with um, sober judgment in according to the measure of faith God has given you. So, basically, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't puff yourself up. Don't think you're great. You may well be God's gift, and please, may we all be God's gift. But if we think we're God's gift, that's where the problem is. See, Jesus is God's gift to us. He's the gift that keeps on giving, and he gives gifts to his church to enable his church to fully function and flourish and be the body of Christ. So we are gifts to one another, we just don't need the attitude that I'm the greatest gift you've got. Do you know what I mean? It's subtle, but... But... The thing is this, we are so tempted in this world to put other people above ourselves or above God. It's called idolatry. It's called other people worship. Oh, they're amazing. They're great. Well, they might well be amazing and great, but they're not worthy of our worship and idolatry. Yeah? We live in a culture in this world that celebrates celebrity. And it's in the church, and it's through the church. And there are people that you probably watch and listen to on YouTube that I would say, if you're not careful, you might worship them or idolise them because they always say this or they always say that. Yeah? And numbers, size, is no measure of success. Because if Jesus was measured by the success while he was on the, on the earth. He had disciples leaving him. He, he gave teaching. They said, well, can't handle that. What about you lot? No, we're going to stick with you. You've got the words of eternal life. Jesus, though, transformed the world with 12 committed people and more than that. And, and, he, and throughout the ages, committed, servant-hearted lovers of Jesus have transformed the world that we live in and brought God's peace and shalom. So, uh, time's going. So, um, we want to be those that fix our eyes on Jesus, listen to the Father, the voice of the Spirit, being responsive obedience to him, that we're those that contribute and don't compare with one another. We just do what we're asked to do. Yeah? And uh, as we gang together in that, it, it looks like Jesus. Okay? It looks like Jesus. Now, it's nearly Christmas, so for unto us a child is born, yeah? Unto us a son is given, and the, I thought you might all join in, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. We're nearly there. So there could be so much to say about all that. I just want to look at Prince of Peace, if it's fair to call Jesus Prince of Peace. He's the King of Peace. Jesus is the King of Peace. And uh, Tony spoke a while ago about shalom, and I just want to pick up on shalom again. It means wholeness, well-being, completeness. Um, Basically, it means that, in a nutshell. So it's speaking of peace, shalom, wellness, wholeness, well-being, in an individual state, uh, in an internal state, and in an external state and a corporate state. So um, I, could, I could be in shalom. I'm well, I'm whole, I'm complete, I'm okay. It is well with my soul. Or I could be in trouble inside. There's chaos, disorder in me as a person and there's an absence of peace. There's no shalom. There's things missing, there's brokenness in me. I could be in absolute shalom with Jody. Uh, we're friendships, we're all right, we're at peace. Or there could be an absence of shalom and there's something that she said or did or I said or did and it causes a breakdown. There's something missing in our shalom, in our peace. And we want to be a people of peace and shalom. But life... Life can be difficult. And so Jesus wants to lead us. This is my puzzle that I bought yesterday. And this puzzle, just to give you a visual aid, is, is not a visual aid of shalom. This, that, that is not what shalom looks like. That is an absence of shalom. That is chaos. So individually, we can feel like this inside. We can just feel like, oh no. Everything is just, I am all over the place. There is no peace. There is no shalom. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Shalom. And so what Jesus is doing this gift of the child to us. He's moving amongst us. And you know, it's even more complex than what I'm saying because in a way I'm talking about us as an individual and then like me and Jody, but what about nations? What about nations at war and in conflict? There is no shalom. There is no peace. There's no wholeness, there's no completeness. It's brokenness, it's everywhere, it's a state. But what Jesus wants for us is to be in a state of shalom. And so Jesus comes down, the promised one, the child born to us to be the Prince of Shalom. And if you like, when he walked on the earth and even now by his spirit, he's walking along. I know you. I know where you should be. I know what part you play. I know how that fits together. See, life is really complex. I am really complex. You are really complex. Get all these complex people together. 
But Jesus knows us and he wants to bring order into our chaos. He wants to destroy the power of chaos that is at work in us. He wants to bring peace and shalom. So it might be physically that there's something wrong with you. It might be mentally. It might be emotionally. It might be spiritually. It might be everything. And Jesus has come to deal with this issue of a lack of shalom, of peace. He's come to peace us, to bring wellness and wholeness into our lives, completeness. And the thing is this, I just bought the puzzle. He sees the picture. He knows what the picture looks like. He knows what the big picture looks like. He knows what wholeness and well-being and shalom looks like. And he's putting us back together. He is restoring us and he's restoring nations. That's why the Bible says, pray for the peace, for the shalom of Jerusalem. He's given us a heads up and that, that has been full of strife and trouble. You might think your life has been full of strife and trouble. Why would God let me go through this difficulty? Why through this? Well, why not? Why not you? Why not them? Why not all of us? Having, you know, there's no need to compare, but every need to look to the Prince of Peace. Every need to look to the one who's going to put us back together and make us complete and whole, internally and externally, with him and with others. That's the promise of God, that he is doing a good work in us that he will carry on to completion. And so we need to cooperate and be trained by him. Because it says, um, wherever my, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will become like his teacher. We are made in the image of God. We are made to look like Jesus, individually, ganging together and corporately, to be the hands, the feet, the body of Jesus and he being our head. When Jesus is your head, when Jesus is our source of life, when Jesus is our protector, when the government really is upon his shoulders, the rule, the reign, the protection, the authority, then we can truly live in peace and shalom. Jesus said, I'm loving this verse, so I'm saying it again. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If Jesus is the light of the world, if Jesus is our shalom, our peace, and we look to him and we follow him, we will have the light and freedom from darkness and we can see him restoring us and rebuilding us. But if we wander from his truth, if we wander from his life, if we wander from his light and peace, we will continue to live in darkness and chaos. It's our choice. We either keep pressing into Jesus no matter what our feelings are telling us or we live by our feelings. And when we live by our feelings, we will do everything we possibly can to, to stop the stench 
and the, 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 the flow of pain in our lives and chaos in our lives. And we will try anything and everything to stuff it in our mouths and in our eyes and in our ears and in our lives just to get a bit of relief, instant relief. And what we don't realise, that instant relief is there to kill us. It's of the devil, it's destruction. It's only in Jesus will we find completeness. Look, another person will not complete you. Don't look. Like marriage is an answer to our aloneness, not the only answer. When we are fixating on another person, on a friendship, on a marriage, on a connection that is outside of God, we're in trouble. It's death to us. It's to him we need to seek life. And so all the stuff of this life is coming against us knowing Jesus, becoming like him and making him known to others. And so the best way we can make Jesus known is walk with him, is to know him, is to sit with him, is to be with him, to, as we've been encouraging you, to get into the written word, to get into the story of Jesus, to read the Gospels again and again, to know him, to know him in the spirit, relationship, to believe that you can meet with him and experience him knowing. It's only when we press in, that we can fully know the gospel of peace, the good news of shalom, the good news of reconciled, restored, healed, whole, complete, peaceful lives and living. It's only in Jesus. There is no other one. We have peace with God through Jesus. He's the one who's restored us. So... Jesus' followers are called to create or make peace. Rolling up your sleeves, serving. We're, we're called to create peace, really rich. We're called to make peace, really rich. Well, what did Jesus say? Matthew 5. What's he say? Blessed are the peace. Peace. Did he say anything about peacekeepers? Peacemakers. So I'm not, this isn't a dig, this is just like an illustration. So imagine us lot now just rushing into this puzzle and putting it all together and having that complete picture there. So it's whole, it's complete, it's in order, it's well. That is what he wants us to do. He wants us to go to him and be with him, but we are going to get our peace, our shalom from him and from one another. Most of our hurt, most of our brokenness, most of our difficulties come through relationship, and most of our healing, shalom, will come through relationship. We are a priesthood of all believers. We can minister the grace of God to one another, and that is why forgiveness is so important. If you hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment, you're there's no shalom. You're not living in shalom. There's no peace. When you forgive, when you let someone off what they owe, when you say what you did was wrong, out of order, I, I could crush you, but I'm going to let you off what you owe me, you will find shalom. 
you will be living it in shalom. When you minister forgiveness, shalom. Shalom, shalom, peace of God, peace to you. And so may we be a people of peace. And over Christmas time, uh, relationships can get fraught. Marriages, kids, all of it. Well, let's be those that make peace, that think about it, that restore, that reconcile, that are part of the healing process, that we're partners with Jesus. It's totally and utterly his work, his power, that we connect in and partner with him so that we can be ministers of peace and shalom. Yeah, Lord, we thank you so much that you were pleased to have all your fullness dwell in Jesus and that through Jesus to reconcile to you, Father God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through your blood, Jesus, shed on the cross. Lord, help us be peacemakers. Lord, we thank you that peace isn't just the absence of conflict or difficulties, but the active uh, involvement of restoring the broken things into wholeness, whether it's in our lives, in our relationships, or in this world. Lord, may we be blessed because we are peacemakers following you. Amen. Thank you.